You may open your Bibles to Genesis uh, 39. Uh, I'm going to, uh, we're doing the second part of a mini-series in the middle of a big series. The big series is Genesis, Back to the Basics. And uh, this mini-series is a comparison of two brothers, um, calling it, uh, and by the way, it's time for Church for Kids. Um, and uh, calling this the tale of two brothers. Uh, one who was, uh, well, they were, they were brothers in the same family, so the same kind of situation. This is number 10 out of 11 brothers. Um, and uh, today, number four was last week, we was Judah. This week, we're going to look at Joseph. We're going to look at those two together. And uh, so before I get to that, uh, number one, I sure appreciate uh, having this uh, dedication of families, really. We still call it baby dedication. We don't dedicate babies. We dedicate parents and, and, uh, and to encourage them to raise their children in the Lord and, and appreciate Pastor Stephen talking about uh, us as a family, as a church. Uh, it's a, a responsibility of a church. When, when I was a kid um, in, in some files, I think when I was even moving up here, I ran across those again. I had notes because when I was eight years old, I stood in front of the church. Number one, I, I became a Christian. A little bit later, still eight years old, I told them I thought God wanted me to preach. And they took me seriously. And they sent me notes encouraging me and all. And it just, that makes a difference. You know, we ought to be encouraging. We ought not go, oh, isn't that cute? Don't we take that seriously? I mean, they were writing to me like I was a grown-up, you know, when I was eight years old. I look back now and go, wow, that was pretty awesome. And so I, I really appreciate these families that want to come and do that and uh, share in that. Uh, we are growing in our, our young families, and we are so excited about that. Um, I think that shows life. When you got young families, that's, that's growth right there. Um, as old people, we can shift around a lot, but man, you're getting new babies. That's, that's good stuff. Uh, I really appreciate that. And uh, so we, we love them. And, and to do that on Mother's Day, uh, just love that. Love my mom. Uh, you know, I, I just, I won't say any more about that to be wrong, but I just thank God. I really thank God for my wife's mom because, wow, what a good job she did, right? But uh, my mom, you know, somebody came to my mom one time and said, I'm sorry, you know, talking about me, but that's okay. Um, but uh, no, I, I am just so grateful uh, for moms and I'm grateful for the moms that are here. I, I, I understand this day is tough on some ladies because have not been able to have a baby or really want to have a baby. I know some uh, have even lost children and, and that is always a tough thing. And, and on Mother's Day, we just, we are grateful uh, for all women and their role uh, that God has given them in the world and in our lives. And uh, we want to pray for you as well. And then um, just today, I mean, I shouldn't even look at the news headlines. And that's about all I do anymore is just look at the headlines. I don't like to to learn too much about because it's depressed enough to read the headlines. And we're living in a nation today where there were protests being planned by people to protest at churches to, because they don't want to kill their babies. Now that's, that's our nation. You're living in that now. And that is just a real tragedy. And I, I, having done this a long time, there could be women in this room, and I wouldn't point you out for anything, who may have been through that tragedy. You were deceived, you were fooled, you didn't know any better, whatever reason. Uh, and you've been through that. And now that is just, that, that guilt weighs heavily because it, most times it will. And, uh, and just know God loves you and there's forgiveness in him. 
There's nothing you can do he, he won't forgive you for. Paul said, I was a murderer, and now the grace of God, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Wrote 13 books of the New Testament, and he was out there killing Christians just because he didn't like them. And so uh, if that's been part of your journey, uh, just know that we love you, and we pray for you, and want God's best for you as well. And uh, all of us who are here, thank God for our moms, right? We wouldn't be here. So uh, let, let me just pray for moms and ladies in general in our nation uh, just for a moment. Father God, as we step into the presence of a holy and wonderful God, uh, Lord, we come not having our own righteousness, but the righteousness of Christ. We claim his authority to step for you. And Lord, we know this is so literally true, that we are standing before the almighty creator by the authority of the son that you sent, who died for our sins, that we could be forgiven. And indeed, by the power of the Holy Spirit within us to be able to come in the grace of God to lay our petitions at your feet. And Lord, we, we are living in the midst of, of wickedness. Isaiah said he was a man of unclean lips, living amongst the people of unclean lips. And Lord, if we're not willing to help a, a, a woman who's in a, a, a troubled pregnancy or, or be willing to adopt or be willing to provide, sometimes our protests ring hollow. And so, Lord, we pray that we'll be a people that love you and love your creation and we, that we would love people no matter who they are, where they came from, that we would, we would love them as Christ loves them. We can't do that without your love in our hearts, O oh Lord, for we are selfish and we are self-centered. And so only you can break us out of that to give us the, the openness and the heart to love others. And so, Lord, may we be willing. May we stand strong with you. And God, we pray that you would uh, uh, stop the scourge of sin in our nation uh, as we uh, have allowed this to the point that people think it, that it's, it's a right. Uh, we know the Canaanite god Moloch, that they burned their children to that false god, and you want to destroy that thought from the earth. And God, I just thank you for those who have maybe in a troubled pregnancy have made the right choice to, to give life to that infant who, who is not a victim. I, I, and, and so, God, I pray that in Jesus' name that we would stand true. I, I thank you for moms. I thank you for the mothers. Lord, I pray those mothers have good husbands and good fathers for their children who will, who will stand with you to love and protect their wives, their families, and that they will take their responsibility to follow you and to teach their families um, the ways of God. And we thank you for mothers who so often stand in the gap and uh, many who have to be single mothers. God, that we thank you for them. We thank you for the, for the moms that you have changed their lives, that they, they start out wrong and got it all right. God, what, what glory that is that you, could, that you do that. You do that with all of us. Uh, that are saved. And so, Lord, we pray that now that you would just open our eyes to see wonderful things out of your word that me, we might follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining me in prayer about that. Well, we'll, we'll count that for the scripture as well in the sermon. We're in uh, Genesis 39 to start out. And I'm going to kind of chop up the Bible a little bit because I'm kind of making 
separate points, and it wouldn't be logical just to go through it because I have to go through like three big stories, which I'm going to do, going all the way almost to the end of Genesis, but then we're not going to be done. I'm going to back up and do it again, but I'll go a little bit slower. But I I want you to see some things in the life of Joseph. And um, last week, I I had something for you to take home with you. And uh, Pastor Andy, I love him to death, and he is much better at the English language than am I. I did that well, didn't I? That was good right there. <laughs> okay, that's for the rest of us. Um, uh, I took English as a second language in school, so, you know, because um, where I'm from, they don't, they don't have very good English. But anyway, he was pointing out, he said, man, if anybody just saw that slide, they'd get the wrong impression. So we're going to let you see it. Go ahead. Be the person you want to become. And then when he told me, I'm like, what do you mean? And then he explained. I was like, oh, you're right. And he said, but then you explained it. So I'm going to explain it again, okay? I, it's the same one as last week because last week we looked at Judah who was a, a, a man in good circumstances making bad choices. Today we're going to look at Joseph who's a man in bad circumstances making good choices. I hope I said that first one right because when I said it, I confused myself. Judah was a man in a good situation who made some bad choices, but today we're going to see Joseph who's a man in bad situation made good choices. And, and so when I say that, I say that because only God can change us. You with me? Most of the things that, that, that are out there to help people who have different difficulties are trying to change our behavior. And God is not interested in changing our behavior He's try, or, or to make us better. He's trying to make us over. He's, he wants to kill the old man that was in us, that which was from Adam, and raise us as a new creation in Christ in the same skin. That's awesome. Thank you. Somebody got it. Hallelujah. It is. It's awesome. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man is in Christ, he's a brand new creation. Old things have passed away. All things become new. I've already mentioned Paul, who was a murderer, and God knocked him down on that road to Damascus and radically changed his life. And all of us need to be changed from the inside out. We need to, we need to uh, uh, be in Christ. And, and, and when we do that, what we learn is the Bible tells in Philippians to have the mind in us that was in Christ. And, and, and another place says, and you have the mind of Christ. We, when, when God saves us, not only does he make us new, but he gives us a new mind that can be transformed by the word. Now, how does that connect? The Bible is the written word of God. Amen. Okay, not enough of y'all are saying that word. Amen. So we're going to say that together. Say the Bible is the written word of God. Now say this one. Jesus is the living word of God. So guess what? The written word tells us about the living word. You with me? Hebrews 1 says... God spoke many times in many ways, and we can reduce that whole first section in Hebrews 1, has now spoken through his son who sat down. Jesus is the final word. The Bible says in John 1, 1, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us so that we could behold the glory of God. God put on, Jesus put on an earth suit to live here on this planet with us to show us the glory of God, Right? Amen? amen? Yeah, you got to probably say an amen. Dinner's coming. It'll, it'll keep. All right. And, and so when he, he does that, God the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. I so love that song we sang. Thank you, Father, for giving us your son and leaving your spirit till the work on earth is done. Great lyric. It is the truth. That's the way it worked. 
Jesus came down and lived that perfect life. He passed the same test that Adam took. Adam failed and gave us sin. Jesus passed the test and gives us his righteousness because we don't have any of our own. We need somebody to come in, forgive us of our sin, make us brand new, uh, and, and, and so that we can become in his image. The Bible lets us know that once we are saved, he began working in us until we look more and more and more like Jesus. Nobody just gets saved and all of a sudden they look like Jesus, but they have everything that Jesus has in them. And then he starts changing all those things. The Bible says in Colossians 3, verse 3, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Chapter 3, verse 5 says, put to death, therefore, the things that remain. Well, if I died in three, what am I putting to death? He said, the stuff you're still doing on earth, quit doing that. He's going to take that away and give us the, the mind, the actions of Christ. Romans 12, 1 and 2, you don't have to be conformed or pressed into the mold of this world, but can be transformed, go from one thing to another, a tadpole to a frog, a caterpillar to a butterfly. We always use those illustrations. Something different by the renewing of our mind as through the word of God. Because this word tells us about the word. Amen. You with me? Amen. Okay, good. I hope you get that. So if you're not in the word, guess what? You don't know anything about Jesus. You open the word, you learn all that we need to know about Jesus. For now. We're going to learn a lot more later. But we got to graduate and leave here to get that. Okay? But we can grow in Christ every day we live. I've, I've been alive for many years. And I hope God gives me a lot more to serve him. But he may not. But I know this. What I know now is a lot more than what I knew then. But what I know now is that I think I know even less than I did when I got started. Because the more you learn, the more you learn. There's so much more to learn, right? And so I just look forward to the day when, as we sang in another song, our faith is made sight. That we don't just follow by faith, we also follow by sight. Well, Joseph is a guy that just, it seems impossible for a man to do what he did. In fact, he is a type of Christ. I told you that two chapters ago when we were introduced to Joseph. Then we get this weird chapter about Judah. And now he comes back to Joseph and he shows us that Joseph is acting like a type of Christ. And I'm using the very same sort of words of the three points as I did last week. Because last week, I said that Judah was faithless in good company. Today, I want you to see that Joseph is faithful in bad company, all right? Look at the first six verses of chapter 39. Now, Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down from there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. He was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer of his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. I don't know if you noticed that passage, but it repeated a few phrases over and over and over and over again. God does that sometimes to make sure you notice it. The Bible is saying that Joseph became overseer of everything. And it says that over and over that the master of the house did that. Now there's a term in here. Y'all know what's happened to Joseph. 
he, his dad sends him on his mission to go spy on his brothers. And, and he told him, go see what they're doing and come back and tell me. But we call that spying. And because his brothers were usually messing up. And when they saw him coming out of jealousy, they decided to kill him. And Judah's the one that speaks up. said, well, let's not kill him. Let's throw him in a pit for a little while. Or, or maybe it was the oldest one. But anyway, they threw Joseph in a pit. And then they said, well, let's not kill him right now. Let's eat supper. And so they're eating some food, throwing their brother in a pit. And then they see this, this trading caravan coming by. And Judah says, I know, let's sell him. At least we can make a profit on him. Let's not just kill him, let's sell him. So he gets sold into slavery. So Joseph is a slave. And that's a word we're uncomfortable with, especially in North America, because of our history, because of what's happening here. So we don't like to use the word slave, but it's a great word in the Bible. Because Paul says, I am a slave of Christ. You see, you've got to understand Christianity that way. The church has kind of messed up Christianity. Uh, and that was a bad sentence. But, yeah, because the true church has it. But our religion and our church buildings has messed up what it means to be a Christian. Because we've told people we got to dress a certain way, you got to talk a certain way, you got to act a certain way, you got to come a certain number of times, you got to do all these things. And some of those things are good and, and it's fine. But being a Christian is being transformed by Christ and having Christ grow in you and you be a slave of his. In other words, you do what he says. Paul, that guy that got saved on the road to Damascus, wrote 13 books in the Bible, referred to himself as a slave of Christ over and over and over. And in fact, God used him to write the book of Romans. And in chapter 6 and verse 6, he says that, that when we come to Christ and the Holy Spirit baptizes us, he breaks us, he frees the power, us from the power of sin in our life that we are no longer slaves to sin. You see, when, before you know Christ, outside of Christ, you are a slave to sin. What does that mean? You can only do what sin tells you to do. But when he breaks those chains, he sets you free from sin, but you become his slave. But what a master. What a great master who loves you, calls you brother, who tells you what he's doing. Jesus himself modeled that for us. Philippians tells us that, that though he was God, he did not think equality with God something to be held on to, but emptied himself and took on the form of a slave. Thank you. And being found in the form of a slave, he humbled himself in obedience even to death on the cross. Jesus, out of his own mouth when he was here, said this, I don't speak the words that I speak from me. The words that I speak, the Father told me to speak them. He's speaking God's words. At the end of his life, he said... To the Father, I've done everything you sent me to do. Well, wait a minute. There's still hungry people. You could multiply bread and feed them all. There's still dead people. You could raise them from the dead. There's still hurting people, lost people. But yet he said, I finished the work. Why? Because he had done everything the Father told him to do. Being a Christian is being a slave to Christ and doing what he tells you to do. I know I've been talking real fast and a lot, right? But can you amen that? Amen. And so... I want you to understand that. I don't want you to play church. I want you to be a Christian. I want you to be a Christ follower. Somebody looks like Jesus. I want to be that. And I know I fail. We all fail. But hey, forget that. Let's get up and go again. Let's go after it. Let, us, let his image be formed in us. But it is amazing what Joseph does as a slave. He is a slave sold to the captain of Pharaoh's army. Now, that's pretty high up. And Joseph is found as a slave in that household. And what does he do? He faithfully obeys God so much that God blesses Potiphar and his wife. And you're going to find out in a minute. She wasn't so good. 
Joseph is making good choices, remember, in bad situations, in bad company. And so he's in Potiphar's household. And Potiphar, I doubt he was a follower of Yahweh. They didn't know about Jesus yet. But the Jewish people followed Yahweh, the God of the Bible. And he has a wife that's going to try to tempt Joseph. But I'll come back to that in a minute. Because, because of what she did, Joseph finds himself in another bad company. He's in prison. A good man in prison. Imagine that. Down in verse 19. I'll come back and say something about Potiphar and his wife. But as soon as the master heard the words of his wife spoke to him. This is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison. The place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph. Guess what? You can't go anywhere. God's not there. David said in the Psalms, I make my bed in the place of the dead. In hell, you are there. The Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Check out this verse. This is an amazing verse. Verse 22. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. The inmate is running the asylum. The prisoner's in charge of the prison. Why? Because he did what God told him to do. He was a good man in a bad place. In bad company, but he followed the Lord. And the, and the prison, the head of the prison said, that God's with that guy. I'm just going to put him in charge. And whatever was done, he was the one who did it. In verse 23, the keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge. That is amazing to write that about a prisoner because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Now, this story goes all the way to chapter 40 and verse 23. So, while Joseph's in prison, this, this thing happened. I'm just going to tell you the story real quick just in case you don't know about it. There are two other prisoners there with him. One is Pharaoh's baker. The other is his wine taster. And, and so, the, they're both in prison. For some reason, they offended Pharaoh, so he throws them in prison. And both of them have a dream, and they're talking about it. And, you know, I guess just talking to each other. And Joseph goes, well, tell me about your dream. And they told him, and he says, oh, well, I, I know what that means. And he says to the baker, they're going to let you out in three days. And then they're going to hang you. Sorry. Looks at the wine taster and says, they're going to let you out in three days, and you're going to be restored to your position. And so it happened just like Joseph said. Three days later, baker's released. They kill him. And they're going to release this wine taster. In case you don't know what that means, that means when they brought Pharaoh his drink, they handed it to the wine taster, and he did this. Now, it didn't go, yeah, that's good wine. What he said was, they all just watched him. If he didn't start foaming at mouth and fall over dead from poison, then the Pharaoh would drink it. Anybody want to sign up for that job? You, you got you to die to keep Pharaoh alive, right? But on the way out of the prison, Joseph says, hey, dude, don't forget me when you get there. Right? I did you a good turn. You can tell him all about what I've done here. Don't forget me. Tell Pharaoh because you're going to be standing right by him all the time. Let him know I'm here and that I'm innocent. Please. I'll tell you again how he got there a little bit later. And So he goes back to his place and he does just what he wasn't supposed to do. He forgot Joseph. For two years, he forgot Joseph. Now, I'm only telling all that story for you to catch on to. I don't know how long he was between Potiphar and that, 
But I know he was there two more years. Innocent of the charges that were brought against him. And look in chapter 40 and verse 23. Actually, uh, yeah, verse 23. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. I just want you to see that. Now, I want to back up again. And not only was Joseph faithful in bad company, but he's faithful in a bad situation. And I'm going to talk about both these things again. First of all, he was faithful with his master's wife. I went from the middle of verse 6 to all the way to verse 19 in chapter 6. Now, let me tell you what happens from 6b through 18. Let me read the rest of 6, and and that's a good start. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. That is a very nice way of putting he was good-looking and he was buff. I mean, he is physique to die for, and he's a handsome man. Vance Abner said, God makes a handsome man every once in a while just to break the monotony. (laughs) But Joseph was that dude. He was awesome. And look at what it says in 7. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph. Now, that became a saying from where I'm from. And he cast his eyes upon her. She cast her eyes on Joseph and went, hmm, I like that. And said, lie with me. But he refused. He just said no. And here's why he said no. Is there in verse 8. Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. He's put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am. Nor has he kept back anything from me except you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Did you catch that? Joseph is all about honoring God. I'm going to show that to you in the next situation too. How can I do this and sin against God? He'd be sinning against Potiphar. He'd be sinning against... His wife, and he'd be sinning against himself, but he, he said, but I'll be sinning against God. That's what's important to me, and I'm not going to do it. And then he says um, in, in verse 10, and as she spoke to Joseph day after day, and we would add after day after day. Charles Spurgeon said, any man can resist opportunity, but very few men can resist importunity which is a word we don't use anymore, but it means opportunity repeated over and over and over and over and over. Every day. Hey, Joe. Hey, Joe. Hey, Joe. Come on. Come on. Come on. Nope. 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 So she lays a trap. She goes out by the pool, puts on her... Never mind. (laughs) Calls him over to herself. Hey, Joseph, I need something. Yes, what do you need? Maybe... He thinks she wants her to bring her something to drink or something. She grabs him by his cloak, the outer garment, and says, lay with me. He says, no. And she starts pulling him, trying to bring him down on herself. And she, he just curls out of it, take, lets her take that cloak off, and he does what you got to do. Boogity, boogity, boogity. He's gone. He just runs. And she starts yelling, rape, rape. And the servants come in. What happened? And she lies. Now, if that happened today, he definitely, well, he went to jail there too, but he definitely go to jail because you never question a woman, right? The woman ain't right, the man ain't right. The truth is the right, right? Just thought I'd point this out here. We got an example. 
And so when her husband gets home and she tells him this lie, he throws him in prison. You back with me? I just wanted you to see, he glorified, he said, I can't sin against God. Now, two years later, he is still in prison. And look at chapter 39 and verse 23. After two years, Joseph, I mean, uh, Pharaoh's going to have a dream. And, and I've already told you, in, in 39, 23, he was forgotten. Look, I, I should say, look at 41, 14. Uh, if you just flip over to that chapter, in 41, 14, then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. Well, why is he calling for Joseph? Because after two years, Pharaoh has a dream. In fact, he has two dreams. And he can't figure them out. So he calls all the magicians, all the wise men. And he says, hey, guys, I've had these dreams. What do they mean? And nobody could figure it out. And that wine taster went, Pharaoh, there's this guy. And he's down there in the prison. And he told me that... I was going to come back and be your cupbearer. And he also, remember that baker you hung two years ago? Well, he told him he was going to hang. He knows dreams. And Pharaoh sends for Joseph. And I want you to catch what happens here. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of the pit. When I was a kid, I thought about Joseph being in jail. I thought he was in a shaklang prison. You know what I'm talking about? And so they come and lock the door and say, come on out. No, he's in a pit. He started in a pit when his brothers threw him in a pit. He's been in a pit a long time. I don't know what kind of pit, but the Bible uses that same word. So I think God's trying to tell us it wasn't nice. And they come and pull him out, but I want you to catch what happens. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. The Bible doesn't waste words. I've been in prison in a pit for two years. Something I didn't do. Had this brief stint in this really good guy's house. He got a lot of stuff. And man, it was good working conditions. And then that woman lied about me and threw me, I got thrown in the pit again. I got out of the pit. Now I'm back in the pit. And then I helped that guy and he goes to Pharaoh. And you know, you can just start there getting bitter and more bitter and more bitter. Not Joseph. He's taking care of business in prison. So much so that prison guard says, fine, you do it all. He just sits back and let Joseph take charge. And for two years, he's been in prison. And now word comes, Pharaoh wants to see you. Now, I don't know about you, but now's my chance. I'm going as fast as I can to see Pharaoh. Not Joseph. He trusts God's timing. Let me clean up a little bit here. I've been in a pit for two years. Let, let me shave. I don't know what he shaved with. I mean, I didn't have Gillette razors. I'm just wondering what he shaved with. But however they did it, man, he shaved. Let me take a bath, put on some clean clothes. Okay, now I'm fit to go talk to the king. I just imagine the guy that was sent going, hurry up, the Pharaoh wants to see you. This is the most powerful man in the world. Pharaoh's asking for you by name. Get out of there. What is your problem? I'm going to take care to get there right. He is not anxious. Joseph is just this all the time. Why? Because he's walking God's gate. He's walking God's path, God's rhythm, God's footfall. Vance Abner said we have to learn the gate of the Galilean. We step in Jesus' footsteps. And we don't have to get anxious about anything, even if it's looking in our favor. He is not in a hurry he gets ready. And check out verse 25. By the time he gets in front of Pharaoh, Pharaoh tells him the dream. Verse 16, Joseph answers Pharaoh, It is not in me. 
God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. And Pharaoh said, this is my dream. He tells him the dream. And Joseph says in verse 25, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he's about to do. Joseph, what are you doing, man? Just interpret the dream and he'll think you're brilliant. Joseph said, nope, nope, nope. Got to give glory where it belongs. God is the interpreter of dreams. God told me this. I'm not going to put it on me. <laughs> I will say Joseph does use this to his advantage. He said, now, Pharaoh, here's what I'd do if I were you. I would take those seven years where everything's going to be growing because the dream meant you're going to have seven years, the crops are going to be amazing, and then seven years, you've got nothing. And in fact, in the seven years of nothing, a rabbit run across that field, it had to be carrying a lunch because there's nothing there for it to eat. My South Carolina uncles told me that one. I don't know. Anyway, because that's, that's poor land when even a rabbit can't find something to eat. And everybody's going to starve. And he says, you know, Pharaoh, here, here's what I do if I were you. I mean, I'm just a prisoner. But my suggestion would be you find a really smart guy. And you get him to set aside food for seven years. And then you'll have food in the seven years. Of... And Pharaoh goes, hmm, where are we going to find a wise guy? You're it, Joseph. You be it. And in a moment, Joseph goes from being a prisoner to being in charge of Egypt. And Pharaoh does what the jailer did, what Potiphar did. He says, do whatever you want. And Pharaoh just went on vacation, man. Joseph, you just take care of it all. And everything Joseph had been learning prepared him for that moment where he is set free physically on the outside. But see, Joseph was free on the inside the whole time. He knows God. He's following God that entire time. You see, Joseph is faithful also in a bad temptation because he has God's viewpoint of things. We don't have a lot of time. In fact, it's past time. But let me tell you what happens. In 45, and it takes us all the way to 50, here's what happens. Exactly what Joe said. Seven good years, seven bad years. In the midst of those seven bad years, his brothers are still back there with their dad. And their dad, and they said, we hear there's food in Egypt. And he said, well, go down there and get some. And his brothers walk in. And Joseph now doesn't look like he did all those years ago. At least 10 years, we'll say. Could have been even more. I mean, he was 17 when he came out, so he's 27 plus, somewhere in that age. And now he doesn't look like he did when he left, because now he walks like an Egyptian. Thank you, I just got to pause a minute. He talks like them, he smells like them, whatever, however they did their face, their hair, their hats, their clothes. And Joseph sees them coming and goes, those are my brothers. And he doesn't tell them who he is. He sells them some grain. He asks them some questions about their family. Hey, where are you boys from? And just wants to hear, well, are they still liars? Are they going to lie to me? Because he knew the tr truth. And then he put their money back in their sacks. They get back. All oh, the money's still in the sack. What are we going to do? They start, they said, we go back. He's going to kill us because he's going to think we stole this money. And they get hungry again. Jacob says, you got to go back, go back. And they arrest them all. Joseph uses that to arrest them and says, well, I'm going to keep y'all until you bring, somebody brings your brother. Well, no, just keep me. Jesus says, keep me. They, they go get Benjamin, and, and Judah redeems and says, keep me. Don't, don't, don't do this to our dad. And, and check out uh, chapter 45. After all of that, verse 1, And Joseph could not contain himself, control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, everybody, go away from me. 
So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? And his brothers could not answer them, him, for he, they were dismayed at his presence. They didn't go, Joseph, you're alive. Hallelujah. They went, Joseph, you're alive? Uh-oh. We threw you in a pit. We're going to kill you. We sold you into slavery. We forgot about you, and now you're in charge of Egypt? Don't forget, Joseph had a dream when he was a kid and said they would all bow before him, and that's what they did when he first came out. said, where are you boys from? They all bowed down in front of him. And they said, please don't kill us. Look at verse 7 through 8. And God sent me before you to preserve you for a remnant on earth. And so to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here. But God has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of his house. And ruler over all the land of Egypt. See, even when he got to be the top dog in the top country of the world. He only could see God. God did it. God did it. I didn't do it. God did it. Don't you worry about it. You're forgiven. We misunderstand forgiveness. We think forgiveness is letting things just, well, okay. No, forgiveness is not getting the revenge that is rightfully yours. Joseph had a right to revenge. They sold him down the river. But that's not Joseph. Joseph has forgiven them. He let go of that. God's in charge. God did, you did something bad, but God was in that to get me here so I could save y'all from starving. And that's how Joseph looked at it. Because he still loved his family. He loved those who hated him. He loved those who wanted to kill him. He loved those who sold him down the river. Does that sound like somebody else who said on a cross, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. And Joseph forgave his brothers. What a temptation that must have been. He played with it a little while because he wanted to check them out. But the whole time he loved them. He, in fact, within that story, if you look at it in detail, he, he had to run out of the room one time just to cry because he loved them so much, but he couldn't break in front of them. Because Joseph always had God in mind. What can you do with that this week? Well, number one, you can be faithful in the midst of bad company. Some of you go to work and you got people there, get on your nerves and maybe they do foul things. Listen, you can just honor God. You keep faithful. You do what God called you to do. Secondly, I would say circumstances do not determine our actions. Our character determines our actions. And none of us are born with a good character. That's come from Christ. Char you know, reputation is what people think you are. Character is what you are when nobody's looking. And there's a big difference in those two so many times. So let God build his character in you. Take that mind of Christ. And when you get the mind of Christ, let him transform you into his image. Jesus was tempted and passed. If Jesus is living with you by the power of the Holy Spirit and he puts his character in you, you also can pass that test. Number three, I would say, temptation is not the problem. Your predetermined decisions are. You see, 
Here's something I know about temptation. I can, I can resist anything but temptation. What am I saying? I say that kind of jokingly, but here's what I'm saying. If you wait to the point of being tempted to try to take care of temptation, you're more than likely to go into the temptation. While you don't have the temptation, while you're free, Jude says, building yourself up in your most holy faith. That's building yourself up in the knowledge of who Jesus is in the scripture. Praying in the Holy Spirit. That's where you make choices. Joseph didn't wait until Potiphar's wife propositioned him. He'd already decided what he was going to do. And so when she said it, he went, no, 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 no. Why? He'd already decided. He didn't think about it. He didn't even have to debate on that. It wasn't a matter of, well, you know, if I did that, maybe we could do that way. And maybe nobody would know. And then what? But yeah, but so, yeah. No, he didn't debate anything. Hey, Joe, no. (laughs) Joseph, no. (laughs) No. Over and over and over and over. And to the point that he went to jail for a lie because he wouldn't do what she asked. Now, he's going to get in trouble if he did. And God was going to judge him then. So what I'm saying is, don't wait till you're tempted. You know where you're easily tempted. Build up those walls around you before that. So that you can respond with the reflex of Jesus. The Holy Spirit inside of you.